0: Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Detour Life. Detour Life is a game changer for both family law professionals and clients alike. Detour Life is an innovative online program which guides clients to easily input and organize the exhaustive document and financial disclosure process and provides professionals with streamlined and secure case management. In addition, Detour Life has comprehensive client onboarding, a secure document repository, income and expense sync parenting plan agreement features, and much more. I use Detour Life myself, and honestly, one of my favorite features, and one that my clients love as well, is that they can securely link all of their financial accounts directly to the Detour Life platform so that their information is automatically uploaded and updated as time goes on. So whether you're getting a divorce or are a divorce professional, I urge you to check it out yourself Go to DetourLife, that's D T O U R dot L I F E, and sign up for their free 14 day trial. Then use code susan 20 to get 20% off the cost of subscription. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast.
1: So, usually when we're looking for perfection, we're not looking for perfection, but we're looking for acceptance. When in the future I'm going to be perfect, I will be happy or harmonious or in peace or successful. But actually, what we are really looking for is that if I'm all these things, happy, successful, et cetera, I will be accepted by others. I will be loved by others. I will be seen by others. Hello, and welcome
0: to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. And today we have Dr. Vasio back with us. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me here. It's it's always fun to talk to you. And I feel that we when we start talking, it's very difficult to stop, right? We can talk for hours. It's
0: been that way both, all the times that we have spoken. For those of you who are listening, you may remember Dr. Vasio was with me uh, just a little while ago, and we were talking about loneliness and divorce and you know, the difference with being alone and being lonely and her antidote, she has two of them to loneliness. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, please go back and listen because I know that, you know, that is one of the number one things I hear from you all is that feeling of loneliness. So there's some great golden nuggets in that episode But as I told you, when she came to do that, when she originally uh, was introduced to me, she had two topics. She's got several topics I think she's an expert on, but there were two that were on the list where I just couldn't make up my mind which one was better. So we decided to do both. So today we're going to talk about perfectionism and divorce because this is another area, and I'm not going to say that I have a little bit of an issue with perfectionism, but, you know. Uh, but I do hear this also as it as it relates to divorce. I think perfectionism is an issue, uh, especially that women struggle with. I, I feel it is uh, a little bit gender You know, I'm sure men have that as well, but it really comes out around the divorce process. So today that's what we're going to dive into. And again, thank you so much for coming back and doing this episode with me. There were so many great things that we got out of the last episode. I I know this is going to be another really helpful episode for my listeners. I think it's going to be perfect. So let's just dive in. Oh, oh, I got it. You got it? (laughs) (laughs) It is going to be perfect. Unintended. intended. (laughs) So, so in, in that perfect way, I think the perfect place to start out, uh, would be with the fact that so many people feel that, and I, I've heard this, this phrase so many times, I can't believe I'm getting a divorce. We were the perfect family. We had the perfect marriage. We have the perfect family, the perfect life. Everyone wanted to be us. And now we're getting divorced.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Why
0: do we hear that so much?
1: Yeah, I mean, we are first of all we're social beings, and we cannot survive with other people. We we value their opinion uh, to such a degree that we feel that if we don't have their approval, we're gonna be left alone. We're not gonna be accepted. We're gonna be outside of the tribe. Um, so we want to be, um, let's say, working or living according to the standards or the norms of our uh, society. So the first thing that we think is, oh, my God, what will other people think? So when I talk about perfection into people, that's one of the uh, misunderstandings about perfection is they think that perfection is somebody who is perfect. But actually, it's the opposite. When somebody is not perfect, but they're striving for excellence and and perfection. Um, So then I reframe it and I say to them, and I talk with, with the different words, which is actually the features of perfectionism. And I ask them, Do you feel guilty? Oh yeah. Do you feel that you failed? Oh, absolutely. Do you compare yourself with the other people's standards? Oh yeah, all the time. Oh, well, this is perfectionism. So so that they can understand that perfectionism is not what they think, but it's actually this constant comparison that I have ruined something, I have failed enormously. I am a mistake, not I made a mistake, I am a mistake and that will uh, haunt me forever. it's the, the it's so heavy. perfectionism is so heavy. It's not only the guilt that we're feeling, it's a shame we have done some something uh, ashamed of ourselves because of what we did. we're so embarrassed and as if what we are right now is not enough and we have to try.
0: I think that probably feeds that fire of shame around divorce, because there is always that external perception or people see it or believe that it's there. This external perception is if your marriage did not continue, that it was a failure. yeah and and you know, I talk all the time about. Just because a relationship ends doesn't mean that relationship was a failure. It means that that relationship served you hopefully very well for the time that it did and that it perhaps has now come to its natural end, which could be perfect in and of itself, that it served its purpose. But unfortunately, society still very much looks at the end of relationships as a fault-based thing, as something that someone had to have done something wrong. We need to have a victim. We need to have a villain. And so this perfectionism and this idea of the perfect family and the perfect life only feeds that and makes it even harder for people. Because, you know, let's go back to the, no one's perfect. No. There is no, the, perfect is a is a myth, isn't it? That it doesn't exist.
1: No, absolutely, it doesn't exist. And uh, and actually, the same mindset that makes us believe that there's such thing as perfection is the same mindset that makes us uh, change the ending goal and move the expectations a little bit higher so that we never feel that we have reached perfection. So the same mindset that makes us believe that there's such thing is the same mindset that makes us believe that, no, you, you will never achieve that. So it's like a a hamster wheel. You're always running and it never ends. And another uh, negative and very, I think, devastating thing about perfectionism is that it has nothing to do with real joy, real happiness, and authenticity in our lives. And I'm going to use the example that he said before, like about society. And and, uh, we think that we have failed when we're taking a divorce. But actually, the reality is that two, three, or four people are not happy in this family because the the parents are fighting, because the kids are witnesses to these fights and the conflicts. Nobody's happy. But society doesn't think, well, do something that makes you happy. I will support you in that. If this is divorce, fine. It's okay. You're going to go through that. You're going to find people that will make you happy and eventually you're going to be happy. Society doesn't say that. It says, well, actually stick together even though you're not happy. I don't care about that. Just stay together and use the excuse, we're doing it for the children while actually your children are very unhappy, traumatized, seeing you fighting and, and cheating each other and, and, and doing all these nasty things to each other. And then you're using the excuse of society. You're doing it for the children. I just
0: heard it yesterday from somebody who was speaking to me, who was saying, and this was a little bit different than the fighting. It was that back what we talked about in our last episode, uh, what I call roommate syndrome. It was a couple who have basically just moved into a phase of their relationship where they coexist, but their children are there in that household with them and they, are planning on getting divorced when their kids are done with high school. And the one sentence, the one phrase I, I said to the person that I was speaking to was, what do you suppose the relationship modeling you're showing your children tells them about a healthy marriage or relationship? Absolutely. You you've told me you and your spouse are living, you know, basically coexisting in this house without any, real love and affection and connection. What do you think that's modeling for your kids?
1: Absolutely. Uh, that's that's amazing what you what you're saying because it's it brings another perspective. I I totally get it. I'm not here actually to uh, you know like uh, point fingers on people like why do you stay together? You're harming your children, etc. There must be a valid reason why somebody stays and gives a second chance and tries to save the marriage. I totally understand and we have millions of different of cases out there of divorce. So one of the things that we need to consider, and we're just at this phase where we're considering whether staying in the relationship is is more helpful or more harmful than being out of this relationship. So one of the things that we need to consider is exactly what he said. What do you teach your daughter? What do you teach your son by being in this relationship either this is an abusive relationship or it's a, a highly highly conflicting relationship or it's a relationship where you have both given up on hope love joy and connection what do you think you're teaching them you are the first relationship that they are actually observing you're gonna be the example of relationships that they will have in their head and they will be subconsciously looking for that. Let me create another relationship like this because this is what my mom and my dad or my mom and my mom or my dad and my dad had. And I think this is how all relationships are. So, let me try to find something similar. So, subconsciously, they are just trying to repeat the same thing. They will be trying to repeat the same thing, or they will be so traumatized that they will try to avoid relationships altogether (laughs) because of this experience that they had in this family.
0: So either way, what you're bringing to your children, what you're modeling for them is not helpful to them at all. And that's what I always uh, you know, say is, is what you're showing your children, what you would want for them. Yeah. What you, because people tend to go find what they recognize and because it's, it may not be what they intellectually think they want, but it's on an emotional level. It's what they recognize. It's familiar. And what they feel comfortable with. Yes. And what is familiar we familiar. tend to, yeah. to go for. Yeah. But, you know, and I was also thinking about what you were saying about one of the features about of perfectionism, being that the bar continues to get set higher. It reminds me of um, I don't know if it was like a horse or a donkey, but they've got the stick with the carrot hanging and they're always trying to get to that carrot. But every time they move forward, the carrot moves forward. (laughs) Um, We're kind of like that, whether it was a horse or a donkey, we're kind of like that horse or donkey. We're always chasing that carrot what is it in us that that makes us want to be perfect what's supposed what you know is it then you know what happens if we can be perfect why are we why are we chasing that all the time
1: first of all because i think we have been uh, conditioned we have been uh, preached or lectured to believe that if you reach perfection then you're going to be happy harmonious In peace, you're going to be successful. You're going to have everything in your life you want. You're going to have it because you're perfect, which is (laughs) what is that?
0: That means you're never going to have it. You're never going to have it. We just talked about it. Good luck. There's no perfect.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I still remember, like, from my childhood years, when I was a teenager, actually, at school, they used to bully us, bombard us with these messages that if you get um, something lower than an A, you're going to be a failure in life. So failure at school, failure in life. That was so terrifying for us. Like, oh my God, we have to continue studying 24-7 so that we don't end up like that. So this is the message that we got back from school. Like you have to be successful in a very tangible way. You have to continuously try and try and try because the moment that you rest and you take a break and you enjoy life, ah, disaster happens. You, without realizing, you're gonna find yourself under the bridge. So it's it's all these scenarios that we hear. Now, under this level of what we hear from society, it's another thing that creates perfectionism. Usually, it's uh, it's related with trauma. I think we discussed it uh, in one of our conversations. Um, trauma, which means that when I have gone through an experience in my life that made me feel unsafe, insecure, either about myself or about people or about the world around me, it is normal if I try to find a way that I can bring back control in my life. And What's best than being a perfectionist? Perfectionists are over-controllers. They want to control everything. They want to know everything, what's going to happen and uh, how they can change the world and um, everything about the future. Perfectionism can be a trauma response because I have felt exposed even people that they have been bullied, uh, they become perfectionists mm-hmm. because since you have doubted about myself, about my identity, my clothes, my my nose, my hair, my uh, intelligence, uh, then I will try so hard to convince you, that I will never, ever fail you, that I am so smart, so successful, so beautiful that you will never doubt about that. So, you see the overcompensating effort that I'm doing because I'm driven by this deprivation, the deprivation of, of belonging, the deprivation of acceptance. So, usually when we're looking for perfection, to come back to your question, we're not looking for perfection but we're looking for acceptance. Maybe we think that back then, when in the future I'm going to be perfect, I will be happy or harmonious or in peace or successful. But actually, what we are really looking for is that if I'm all these things, happy, successful, et cetera, I will be accepted by others. I will be loved by others. I will be seen by others which is something that I have never experienced fully in my life. So perfectionism is, is this overcompensating mechanism that we use in order to feel accepted.
0: It's, it's sad. I, I recognize it and I see it and I see it for people. And of course, it makes perfect sense that someone who is, uh, can should we say, struggling with perfectionism or who has that tendency in their life, when they go through a divorce of course, it's going to trigger. Um, even if they've got it that the behaviors or or that desire to be perfect or their, uh, I'll call it control freakism, <laughs> under <laughs> control, it can flare up and and get way out of control during a breakup or a, a divorce. Because when do you feel less accepted?
1: When you're alone. When somebody has rejected you. When somebody has betrayed you.
0: Hey listeners, I just wanted to let you know about a new feature on the podcast website. We now have a special directory of episodes that are bunched by topic. We know it's really overwhelming when you're faced with trying to find trustworthy and helpful information when you're going through divorce. And since we have over 150 episodes to date, we know it can be hard to hunt through them all to find the one that answers the question that you have, but not anymore. Visit the DivorceAndBeyondPod.com website and click on the Divorce Topics tab on the menu bar. You're going to find pages dedicated to all kinds of divorce topics, including parenting, finance, high conflict, taming your emotions, mental health, and so much more. So be sure to check it out today at DivorceAndBeyondPod.com. Stay tuned for more from Vasya Sarantopoulou on the trap of perfectionism and how to escape.
1: I want you to be a perfectionist and be able to accept failure, reframe failure, learn from failure, be able to be compassionate with yourself. And when you're struggling, reach out to other people, be able to take a break and rest and give yourself a good self-care when you're struggling. So yes, To high goals, fantastic, but in a healthy way. If you are enjoying this episode, check
0: out the special two-part episode for the past two weeks with attorney Carolyn Kalos, who shared her insider perspective on parent coordination as one of the most sought-after PCs in New York City. Bad mouthing another parent also, I mean, studies show with that, you know, the child is made up of each of the parents. So if one parent is saying, you know, your other parent is an X, Y, Z, some of that gets internalized to the child. So parents need to know that. And now we return to today's show. You know, you mentioned this about the control, and I, I do want to touch on it as well, because I see this quite a bit, that one of the biggest, I guess I'll call it a symptom of perfectionism is that control freak nature of having to be, if you can just be on top of every single solitary detail, including having a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C, just in case A doesn't work, then everything's going to work out all right. I'll tell you, attorneys have this tendency, right? Because we don't have the ability or we're not, you know, we have to go into a courtroom and do something for clients. And sometimes their very lives depend on what we're doing, um, but their happiness might depend on their financial wherewithal might depend on it. So attorneys do tend to be a profession of perfectionists and control freaks um, who will over-prepare, over, you know, overdo everything. Um, and It's exhausting. Yeah. It's, it's a very yeah. tired, you know, so how do you know or how do you start to break that cycle?
1: We're not talking about the professional side of no, it. No, let's just yeah. talk about
0: perfectionism. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. But I, I get how somebody who is a perfectionist at work can be intrigued to bring it at home as well, because that becomes second nature at some point. Um, so, when when you were talking about controlling and wanting to have a plan B and wanting to have everything under control and be prepared for all scenarios, besides being controlling, when we are perfectionists, we're also lonely. Because a controlling person knows that I have to do all these things by myself. I don't trust anybody. So, perfectionists don't trust others. So, that's why I want to be, be so prepared about my life because I don't trust that somebody will take care of me. I have to take care of me. That's why perfectionists don't ask for help. I cannot ask for help, first of all, because I will break this perfect facade that I have created and people think that I have it together. Uh, but also, I don't want them to see my struggle and I don't trust that they will take care of me. Remember, because they haven't accepted me in the past as person with my vulnerabilities and my weaknesses so why would i do something silly as showing my vulnerability in my struggle so they don't ask for help they want to control everything they don't trust other people so you see how lonely and sad can be being a perfectionist so you asked how do we break this right yeah (laughs) that's a lot of work for sure for sure yeah yeah um Starting with the point that we said that a person seeking for perfection is actually seeking for acceptance, we start with bringing some self-acceptance in our lives. So, usually when I work with my clients and in the academy with the perfectionist course, um, the members of the academy that have taken the perfectionist course, we are actually working on... Um, moving from the toxic perfectionist to the healthy perfectionist. If you are a perfectionist, you will always be a perfectionist. You are a person that aims high. You are a person that is a high achiever. You have ambitions. You have dreams. There's something inside you that will always be looking for something more. I'm fine with that. But at the same time, let's make sure that you don't torture yourself You don't beat yourself up. Let's make sure that you create some space to celebrate, to enjoy what you have achieved so far without moving the bar all the time, higher and higher. Let's make sure that we make this perfectionistic attitude into a healthy one because all the rest is toxic.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating because now I'm seeing it as it's not that you're trying to eradicate the perfectionism. It's that you are try, you, you need to somewhat eliminate the toxic aspects of how you manifest your pre- perfectionism, but you can get to a healthy place with your perfectionist. And some of those things that I was just hearing are being being in the moment of your of of what's happening for you, right? That it, you said celebrate those wins. Um, as opposed to chasing that carrot that you're never going to get to. Yes. Um, it's good to, you're right, it's good to be a high achiever. It's good to be someone who has dreams and hopes and aspirations. But when you achieve one of them, when you reach a goal, if you just then say, ah, I need an, now I need to set another goal because that one's done, you, you miss some of the point of the achievement, I, I, I guess.
1: Exactly, exactly. And there are also, that's why I said in the beginning, perfectionists, they believe, people believe that perfection is something positive, but this is not always the case because you have some perfectionists that they can be procrastinators, sloppy, uh, burning out, uh, completely uh, missing the opportunities around them. Uh, and it's not about delivering perfect results. You can be very average, if I can use that in your results, And still be a perfectionist. So actually, what we want to understand is that if you think being a perfectionist, uh, if if you being a perfectionist will end up in you being burned out, lonely, disconnected, afraid of stepping out of your comfort zone, afraid of failure, stuck, self-sabotaging, then I don't need that. (laughs) That's not what I want you to to achieve in life. I want you to be a perfectionist and be able to accept failure, reframe failure, learn from failure, be able to be compassionate with yourself. And when you're struggling, reach out to other people, be able to take a break and rest and give yourself a good self-care when you're struggling. So yes, to high goals, fantastic, but in a healthy way.
0: So that's, you just said to reframe failure. Yeah. So let's, if we can, can, let's use that in the context of divorce. And how would you talk to someone about reframing the failure of their marriage?
1: First of all, I would try to disconnect the pain from the failing. The fact that there's something sad happening in your life, it doesn't mean that you're failing. It's something. Sometimes we have to go through sadness or through overwhelming and un- these uh, uncomfortable feelings, because we want to achieve something better in the in the long run. So yes, you do feel sad. Yes, you are alone. Yes, you're changing. Your family is changing. Yes, your children will have to get used to another routine or to new people around you, around them, and around you. Yes, to all this. But this is not failure. If it leads to these two, three or four or five people in the long run being more happy than now, then it's not failure. It's something that we are just uh, realigning our life so that we can achieve something which is more important. It's not important to stick together just for the sake of sticking together and calling ourselves a family because that's only a label we want the real thing the authentic thing the the real happiness in our lives and this is what we want to teach our children do everything so that you can have real connections and real happiness in your life rather than a facade of all this
0: that's a good reframe that's that's well done it's fun. it's interesting because one of the things we do as mediators in um, a mediation session is people very often will state their positions and we reframe them into or break them down into their issues. And that's essentially what you've done there is taken this you know, sort of mental determination of failure and restructured it into essentially a transition to something better and yeah. a difficult perhaps transition, but you, I think you use the word necessary. Um, and uh, you know, I, 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 like that, um, because you're not taking away the fact that there is pain in this moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is always pain.
0: Yeah. You're not telling people just get over it, you know, no,
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's not possible. It's not possible, but I actually bring into the discussion, something that we usually forget, which is why do you think that breaking your marriage is failure? while you don't think that staying in an unhappy marriage is not a failure. So, let's see what is real failure here and whether something bigger than what's happening right here, right now, um, can make you change your mind about failure. The fact that in a couple of years from now, you will have a different partner next to you or maybe not, but you will be happy, your children will be happy, they will have more peace in their life, more harmony and calmness in their life. And that I consider that success.
0: Yeah. And that's a total reframe. You just went from failure to success. Um, One thing I do wonder, because I've seen this with, with people who struggle with perfectionism is we can say all of this and, and point out that maybe there, there are pathways to help, but they don't reach out for help. They don't, Mm. They don't, you know. There's some. I think there's something in that uh, struggle as well that makes the people struggle to even reach out for help or to acknowledge that this might be an issue for them.
1: I and mean, especially when they're talking, when they're getting through a divorce. Huh?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's this uh, stigma and this taboo around divorce, and the fact that it's probably me that I have made a mistake. It's probably people will think that. I didn't try enough or i being selfish and I thought only about myself and my happiness and I didn't think about my partner or my children. Um, so, we carry all these uh, ideas and probably cultural norms around us and we, it's difficult for us to reach out for help. So, yeah, it's very difficult, especially if you're a perfectionist, it's difficult to reach out for help because you think, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna deal with that by myself. I don't need any I'm
0: perfect. I don't yes, yeah. I'm strong. I'm, I'm, strong.
1: Fine. I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm so I legit. hear a lot yeah. of
0: I'm fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, we, we hear a lot about seeking for professional help for anxiety, depression, but we haven't heard a lot of talk to somebody when you're going through a divorce. We think that, yeah, just go find somebody else and then you're gonna be okay, you know, like it's fine. So we think that it's something. Uh, easy to handle, even though I have read something, I'm sure that you have read it as well, that the pain or the challenge of going through a divorce equals in losing a person uh, by death. So the pain and the change that happens in our life, the turbulence that happens in our life, equals this amount of pain. But we don't talk about that so much. There are not so many people saying, Seek for support, divorce support groups, or talk to somebody about that because this is bigger than you think, bigger than you can handle. It's a it's a bombarding in so many levels: emotional, cognitive, experiential, practical, family level, so many levels. It's 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 huge.
0: So I know you work, you know, and you've created a program around loneliness and helping people. To reconnect with themselves and to create meaningful relationships to work through loneliness. How do you work with people around perfectionism?
1: These are my favorite people. Yeah. <laughs> my Bring favorite me people. the
0: perfectionist, she says. Yeah.
1: You know, we resonate more with people that they uh, like um, that have gone through the same struggles with us. So I can say that I'm a perfectionist myself. You are also perfectionist, as you said. You know, Um, so I know the struggle. I know the everyday struggle with the one part of your brain saying, "Did you do? You think that you really tried enough today? Is it maybe that you have done more?" So I know this voice in our head that always pushes us for more, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I can resonate with that. I know I have worked through my own perfectionism and I'm working every day to bring it to the healthy side. I have done hours of therapy, my own therapy, my supervision. So I can help other people go through this the same, let's say, uh, process and learn how to still be ambitious and high achiever people, but also... Take care of themselves and finally feel happy, enjoy their life. Because uh, we learn at school first work and then play. And this is the motto of perfectionists. Oh, no, no, I still have things to do and then I will enjoy life. And usually that later is somewhere like a retirement and late yeah. retirement, very late. <laughs> so I want to help people actually get rid of this strong and nasty inner critic. I want, I help people. Find more self-love and self-compassion in themselves, more self-acceptance, reframe failure, um, care less about what other people say, and care more about what they think is important in their life. So we're actually reprioritizing things in their lives. And I have a program which is called How to Stop Perfectionism and Start Living.
0: I like
1: it. Leaving is the opposite of being perfectionist. You're not leaving when you're a perfectionist. You're just working or or running on the hamster wheel. Um, So uh, how to stop perfectionism and start leaving. Uh, And I have created a program where people join this program and not only they see all the tools that I've put together for them, but we meet every month and we discuss about our struggles. We take one step further, we go deeper, and we try to find specific tools for each one of them so that they can try and defeat this strong inner critic voice perfectionistic bullying voice
0: (laughs) because we all it's uh, it's making me think of the two figures on your shoulders yeah this is where your inner critic is this big and your your other i don't even know your your person who pats you on the head is very tiny so yeah
1: it's- yeah this is this is what we call the the second one that he said we call it the healthy voice the yep. inner critic voice and the healthy voice that actually understands your needs but at the same time doesn't beat you up and, and teach you how to um, be uh, feel good enough as you are and feel accepted as you are So, yeah, there's so many things that we discuss in this group about shame, about guilt, about regrets. So many people that they have regrets and they're still beating themselves themselves up for that. Perfectionism in relationships, how you are projecting all these expectations on your partner. And instead of connecting with your partner, you're just judging your partner. So talking about meaningful connections. So we're doing a lot of uh, meaningful and really deep conversations in there. So, yeah, that's my way to help.
0: When are you doing the next pro- How often do you do that program?
1: It's, it's ongoing. Uh, anybody can go in the website and they can uh, uh, buy the program and they can get into the program and see all the videos and participate uh, whenever they want in the group. Once a month we meet. So it's an ongoing group.
0: So that's wonderful. So they if they go to antiloneliness.com, people would be able to sign up and get into that group. It may be, you know, I'm jotting down antiloneliness.com. <laughs> uh, but because, I, you know, I think the most I, I'm always trying to make sure that we identify the problem, give some tips on dealing with it, but also Share some hope, and and that's what I'm hearing that you you're saying, and that you yourself went through the process is you can be a perfectionist, but be a healthy perfectionist instead of the hypercritical. Um, you know, it's very it's very uh, lonely. Uh, to go back to your earlier episode with me, um, they tie together because being a perfectionist makes you very lonely uh, because you can never achieve that, and you're you're always so critical of yourself. But as you, I think, just really pointed out i hadn 't thought of it you 're really critical of others too, because you 're judging where they 're not hitting that perfection of what you 're
1: looking for as well so exactly exactly so this inner critic can be either um self oriented i 'm not enough or it can be other oriented you're not enough so it 's the same the same voice sometimes I turn into myself, sometimes i turn into other people, but for sure perfection is is The ticket to life dissatisfaction, stress, anxiety, burnout, relationship issues, and loneliness. That's your one-way ticket if you want to be a perfectionist. Uh, But imagine if we can be perfectionist, but at the same time, we can be happy, accepted, feeling loved, feeling rested, and all these things. That's going to be perfect.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a great, that's the perfect note to end this episode on. Yes. So thank you. I thank you so much for coming back. This was an episode I I truly wanted to bring to my listeners um, and to myself and to many people that I know. Um, So I know this will help people as well. So if people want to reach out to you, antiloneliness.com, I will have all the information in the show notes. Thank you again so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Looking forward to the next one. (laughs) And there will be one. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Thank you for
0: joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.